Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Welcome to episode 26. This one is not for the faint of senses. It's a very intense conversation. We talk to actress and comedian Justy Dodge, one of the coolest names in comedy. Uh, we talked about pretty intense stuff, cutting and psych wards and comedy and relationships. So, uh... Fasten your seatbelts and enjoy this intimate conversation with me, Matt Kaplan, and Justy Dodge. You guys are really mellow. We've yeah. had a long day. Did you? A long day. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay though. How was your day? I just walked dogs. You walked right. dogs? Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> it's, it's gross out. That's why. Like, it's yeah. not... Mm. How many dogs do you walk at once? Just one. Just one dog? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. Are you, uh, at this time in the year, are you picking up after them or just letting it go into the snow and disappear? Oh, I wish I could just let it go. Yeah. No, you have to pick it up. That's you like, have to. It's a fine, I think, right? Yeah, but I think, I feel like that's what a lot of people do because as the snow melts, all of a sudden, like, oh, there's dog shit. Well, one of my dogs, like, went up, like, onto a snow pile, like, mm -hmm. a wave. I couldn't physically get to it. Uh -huh. so I was just like, well, I don't. Okay, fuck, I don't know. What to do. He pooped higher than you can reach? Yeah, like, it was weird, and then he, like, went all the way to the end of, like, the pile, and I couldn't get physically... Whatever, it's stupid. <laughs> I, hate, I hate everything about this. I mean, like, I, I like, love dogs, and I thought this was going to be, like, a solid... Me and my ex-husband started a company, like, a little tiny dog-walking company, mm -hmm. in case one of us, you know, was on the road, and that way we didn't lose Because he, he's a comedian. My ex, yeah. Do you say was a comedian now that he's your ex? He just doesn't no, exist, or...? No, he ex We're still friendly. You are? Yeah, I'm funnier than him, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> what was it... You've heard it here now. <laughs> was he... What was it like being married to another comedian? Is it hard, like, competitive-wise, or...? It's, I mean, there's pros and cons, mm -hmm. I think, to any relationship. It's nice because they understand the lifestyle. Wait, there are cons to relationships? Yeah, I know, really? right? Can you imagine? <laughs> That's why we're divorced. <laughs> yeah. How long were you married for? Uh, two years. Two years? Yeah. How long did you date before you got married? Two years. All right. So you were together for four years, kind of? five, something like that, yeah. 
And what are the pros of being with a comedian? Obviously, share. They get the lifestyle, really. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you try to date a normal person who doesn't work in the arts, you know, you're out till two in the morning mm-hmm. with a bunch of dudes like mm-hmm. every night, you know, it doesn't always go over super well. I think male comics have it harder right. with females that aren't comedians because it's, you know, we're, we're needier, I think, as, as, you know, the vagina is. I don't know. That's needier in what way? I think we just want to be. Usually women tend to want to be with a guy more like, I want to hang out. We, you know, let's spend time. Like they, like they don't understand unless you were with them when you, you were already doing comedy when the relationship started. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then they kind of understand what they're getting into, but then it's like, why are you gone all the time to do a free show or an open mic and you right. come back fucked up? You know, it's like, well, is that a male female dynamic or is that just like an artist dating a non-artist? Um, Probably. I don't know the answer. I don't know. I mean, I think it's a combination, but like, yeah. like our, this doing comedy is, you know, a 24, like it's just constant. You're writing or you're trying to get booked on something or you're, you know, yeah. out doing mics and shows. Well, some of it too is like, uh, you can feel pretty satisfied or fulfilled from your art form mm-hmm. and you a non-artist. <laughs> right. Or you can feel totally uh, unfulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. It goes that's, both ways. That's another pro with that too, is like, they do understand the highs and lows, you know, if you have a bad set, you know, and you come home and you're just, you know, a raging cunt. Right. They kind of get why, you know, it's like, oh, you had another bad night. Would there be any competition in your relationship? There wasn't. No, he was super supportive of me. Mm. Like I was supportive of him too, but I think he was really supportive of me getting, I got stuff like a little bit like earlier than him. We like, actually became friends. J.F. Harris. Mm-hmm. We became friends on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Twitter friends. Yeah, he started. We started liking each other's stuff. Then, <laughs> then we, when we took it over to Facebook, and now we're Facebook friends. I mean, next is Instagram. What are you gonna do? <laughs> it's really progressing fast. Wow. I kind of want to slow it down. Like I was like, <laughs> slow it down. Let, what's your MySpace? All this right. Is too much. And and what are the cons of being married to a comic? That's, you're married to a comic. Oh, okay. <laughs> which which is what? Which we're, entails we're gross. What? I think we're gross people. We really are. <laughs> like people. I think it's. Being a comic, I think, as an outside person, people really romanticize like the idea of it. They're like, "Oh my god, that's so amazing! Yeah. Your life must be awesome." And it's like, "No, I'm a struggling artist. I have to walk dogs, and I can't reach their poop to pick it up." Like, <laughs> that's so glamorous. I know, right? Would you feel at times also you were just the two of you were sort of isolated in your comedian bubble, and you yeah. weren't getting turned on to information outside of that? Yeah, they're like, they're, he was really bad with that. Where mm-hmm. when I'd come home or whatever i'd be like i need an hour where we don't talk about comedy i right. don't want to talk about comedy i don't want to hear about what you think or you know did or a joke i don't care right because i i was i used to be a musician dating a musician mm. and that was hard because i feel like my walls were closing in like everything involved around music and booking agents and all this yeah. stuff i'm just like i just want to think about something totally different yeah it is that was that the most challenging thing um i mean are you dating a comic now no he's not a comic i'll never do it i was engaged to one before my husband too oh really oh yeah yeah i like i'm a glutton for punishment you know what i mean i'm just like i don't learn from my mistakes let's keep doing this is that part of self-destruction you think i mean partially i think it's just because we're surrounded by each other you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah but it is the most unromantic place to meet totally yeah but but it's like the same like humor is a very attractive quality especially for women like we you know we tend to be more attracted to a man if he's funny opposed mm-hmm. to like a dude being attracted to a woman if she is right 
Interesting. Yeah, often guys are not attracted to women who are. It's funny. intimidating. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I'm supposed to be the funny one. Yeah, I've never had a guy try to fuck me after a show, and I think that's ridiculous. Like, if I if I like, <laughs> I'm so angry about that because I watch some of like my pile of sad guy friends. Yeah. And they have a good set, and like just these fucking hot chicks will come up to them, and I'm like, really, really, right? Just because of that. Well, a lot of it's just that, oh, they're so brave to get up. Right. Just that. Just that they got yeah. on stage. Yeah. It's appealing. It, it, it could be that guys are intimidated. I mean, obviously, right. you're, you're in a relationship right now, so I don't know if you're fucking other guys at shows or not. But still, <laughs> I think it is, it is intimidating for, for a guy to see a woman up there like, oh, she's so strong. And they assume that this is who she is all the time. Yeah. I, can't, I can't deal with that. I get but that. But of course, that's not necessarily the case. I'm just annoyed by it. <laughs> just annoyed I never get hit on after a show. I'm surprised though, because I'm I'm not that way. I'd like a girl to be witty and funny. But you also do comedy. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean, right? So guys that don't, they right? They, guys have a thing where they have to be the dominant, smarter, more successful. I think a lot of guys do. I think that's yeah. more. It's like an insecurity. It might be, yeah, probably something like that. But it's also, you know, they say it's good to be the smartest. It's good to be surround yourself with people that are smarter and funnier than you. Mm-hmm. What's up with that, guys? I don't know. <laughs> Is that just a a general thing? Yeah, it's a general thing. Yeah, always surround yourself with people that are a little smarter than you, or in this case, funnier. Well, that's impossible for me. (laughs) I mean, I'm kind of a genius. That's why I (laughs) So, how did you uh, get into comedy? Was it through men? Yeah, was it? Was that? That was my my my, uh... after my seventh marriage to a comedian. I was like, maybe I ought to try. (laughs) Should just do this. I wish. No. Um. Sorry, I'm taking a big well, oh, so myself. Sir. Your ex, JF, mm-hmm. moved to LA, right? Yeah, he's got a chick there now, his girlfriend. Is that, does that is make it all easier? Is, whoa, 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 what? Which one? Which Gary, one? go first. What, does it make it easier, him moving across the country? No, because I mean, like, we still talk. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm happy for him. Yeah. I don't know. Is it a clean over? Yeah, yeah. No, we, like, when he comes into town, we get coffee and we'll talk and stuff like that. Is his new girlfriend a comedian or did he also uh-uh. learn? He learned. Okay. She's a makeup artist, I think. Yeah. Okay. Is your current boyfriend, is he an artist of any sort? No, he bartends at a comedy club, so I guess it's like almost as bad because <laughs> he's still in the world and he knows. Right. But, he, I mean, he does audio stuff too on the side. Okay. But Yeah, because I think it's, you know, maybe not the same exact art form, but if you're both artists, but oh, yeah, different, that's great. I think you that's have a great some space, thing. but you both kind of get that you're both a little weird in that specific yeah. kind of way. The entertainment world makes yeah. sense to both of you, but it's not the exact same yeah. field. Yeah. Well, it's dating a musician is hard because they make noise. They make sound, you know, you got to hear them playing. And comedians just cry all the time. <laughs> so I started doing comedy, though. I, uh, I, I'm i from northern Minnesota. and Northern th- Minnesota? Yeah. Are you like, uh, that's around Fargo, yeah? Well, Fargo's yeah. in North Dakota, actually. Oh, okay. But if, Fargo, Minnesota. If you yeah, watch right. the movie Fargo, uh, yeah, no, they have it in Brainerd, Minnesota. Okay. Which right. I was in the state site record for three and a half months there. So it's not okay. a big deal. I'm not bragging. But every time that movie comes on, I'm like, I lived there for three months, <laughs> just in a locked facility. Were you doing comedy in Minnesota? Never did comedy in Minnesota. Okay. I literally, I took, <laughs> I took an Amtrak train here when I was 20. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be an actor and comedy is going to lend itself to me. So you moved here from Minnesota uh-huh. to pursue? More acting, but I got into comedy because I was, thought it would help. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of just reversed. It reversed, huh? Yeah. So you took an Amtrak here. Yep. Had you been to New York before? Um, I visited one. Yeah, I visited once. And you moved on an Amtrak. Yep. That when sounds I was twenty. That sounds so romantic. Oh, doesn't it? You know, it's like a Lifetime movie without the rape. That's really. <laughs> it's like a 1920s Lifetime movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> Two suitcases following my dreams. Yeah, the you had the stick with the thing, right? Or, or yeah, bandana, the Johnny Appleseed. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll never. I, I mean, that's the stupidest thing I could have done. Like, I could have just taken a plane, you know, and saved yeah. myself hours. Like, it was like a thirty-six hour train ride, but I was trying to be yes. adventurous. But you obviously didn't come with much stuff either. Two suitcases. That was it. That's it. Two suitcases and a whole new life. And a whole new life. So Twenty years old, moving here. Did you know anybody? I have a cousin, a first mm-hmm. cousin, who I never see, which is really of weird. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> live close. Yeah, we live in the same, you know, city, but I don't see him. So you came to New York at a 20-year-old girl mm-hmm. from Minnesota mm-hmm. to pursue fame and fortune oh, as yeah. an actress. And it's doing fucking wonders. <laughs> well, you never know when things happen for people. No, you don't. Yeah. It can happen overnight. It's crazy. Yeah. Sometimes people, when they get success later than they thought, they're like, oh, no, it looking back it makes sense yeah because you can well that's the thing is like kyle can answer that he's like you can never make it too late you can make it too early but you can never make it too late and mm-hmm. that makes so much sense yeah yeah exactly because if you i have friends that have hit some sort of fame and success at a young age and they're pretty fucked up from it yeah they're not ready for it like you know for numerous reasons their mental you know their mental state isn't there they're right. still they haven't lived a lot of life a lot of them like when it's when you're super young and then just you don't have the chops to back it up, I feel like. You know, you get yeah. put on one of these guy code, girl code shows and you blow up and you don't have like the time to do on stage. Yeah, and they say like the age you hit fame is the age you, the, the mental age you stay at. Oh, really? That's just like uh, drugs, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. I was going to say that exactly. It's the same as addiction. That's, boom, that's your mental age. And it's, it's, it's fucked up too because it is the industry's fault. You know what I mean? For pushing. So if you want somebody to be famous, like mm-hmm. the kid's going to be famous, but they push too hard. And then, you know, somebody with real potential who could have been amazing ends up just in a downward spiral and can't crawl back out of it. Right. I don't know. I've seen that happen a lot, like over the years with certain people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's sad. It's super sad. Where they can't handle fame. Yeah. Or they just get too much too quick and mm-hmm. they just, yeah, they weren't ready for it. So they shoot themselves in the foot for I mean, whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. Look at all the child actors. They yeah. rarely survive. Dude, child actors are a whole, like it's, that's the saddest thing to me is because somebody pushed you into doing something. Yeah. And then you, all you've known, like the Olsen twins, like that's all they've known is being famous. They've mm-hmm. never not, you know, mm-hmm been famous yeah and people are like, i can't believe they're so fucked up R- really you can't well at least you have you know you're a comedian you're writing your material you have an art form as actors they kind of just like you know give me something to say and i say it i guess it's i don't know i just don't have the unless you're an amazing actor uh-huh. but a lot of actors just you're not really expressing yourself as much mm-hmm. as a comedian so sure because you're just raw and on you know you're just an empty just, shell yeah. fill me with words it's like that's <laughs> well, like improv that. <laughs> right Improv's like the worst of all of it like well at least improv you're expressing some part of yourself you're making stuff up i know you you're can being just creative. never turn it off <laughs> improv people are like the worst of stand-up comedians and actors combined I why like. is that they're just so annoying to me and i mean if it's good improv it's really good improv yeah but it's just like oh he's like hanging out for the most uh, just not everybody i shouldn't say that because i'm sure i've yeah, I have friends that do improv and stuff and i'm gonna you know people are gonna get pissed but of course you can't generalize a whole but jesus like they are just at least comics just are sad and sit in the corner for the most part you know uh-huh. and actors i don't know they just talk but like <laughs> in, they're just on improv people are like dun, dun. do you do improv is that where i do i i just want to hear i i didn't want to say anything i wanted to let but you, you seem like so, the rarity because you're but, quiet but i i have a self-awareness about <laughs> myself and and improv okay and i i share a lot of what 
you know, you're saying and what yeah. many other people and, you know, and I sort of have found myself less interested in it over time because it's like, I don't have that in me. I'm not the kind of person that like gets on stage, super excited, you know, and, and that, <laughs> that, that, in, in that way of like, yeah, come on, everyone. That's right. not, that's not who I am. That and so always, it's not, it, it, it's something I don't feel in that way. So it, I, I love it in theory, yeah. but in practice, I understand why so many people find it annoying because it's, to me, the success rate is low for the general yeah. audience. Among other improvisers, it's all awesome. But for most people <laughs> going to see improv, it's like, I don't know even what's happening. Right. Here. Yeah. It's also super goofy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's hard coming for like, you know, a lot of comedians are pretty serious, mm-hmm. so, which is, uh, so it's hard to see a goofy, goofy, <laughs> especially the way they come out on stage. Hey, little, uh, give us a suggestion. Give us a suggestion. Stop. Just stop it. <laughs> I'm so mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice. I, I feel I'm sensing some anger coming out. That's good. Oh, it's just my personality. You gotta let no, it I out. That was, that was honest. I don't. I don't. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's good to be truthful about things like that. Um, I was more offended by Gary saying that, <laughs> that actors are just a a shell without any expression. Well, I lived in LA for four years, so yeah. you know I've seen a lot of them. But yeah, there's definitely some that have something to say. But some actors are amazing actors, but they really don't have much personality but they could pretend that they do yeah it's amazing well also there's so many like the forms of acting too when you're talking tv to film to theater it's they're all so different like you can make anybody look good on film now you really can with technology anybody can look amazing oh good (laughs) (laughs) no it's like the theater and like where you get you know the chops you need yeah those are the real crazy yeah that's why so many famous you know actors do come to broadway because they want to prove their point they want to prove that they're really good or also to feel the moments. Sure. You know, you've been on a film or set. It's just so stop, start, boring. Yeah, boring, films boring. that suck. You know, like, I did do acting. I was, you mm-hmm. know, took classes, obviously, when I first moved here for like four years. And it uh-huh. was, I love that feeling of like the live theater. But are you still doing, are you still I acting? would. I just, it's so hard to juggle that, you know. The time? Yeah, with, with doing stand up, you know. Yeah. It, and trying to work a day job and trying to have some, maintain some kind of normalcy with a relationship or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even with comedy, it's like I'm not one of those people that goes up six, seven nights a week because I feel like I need a, a couple of days to just not do that Deep and live life and sure. just be a normal person to put it into my comedy. Mm-hmm. A great thing with acting, as we were saying earlier, that it's never too late, I think, especially with acting. I think definitely with stand up, but especially with acting, yeah. it's mm-hmm. never too late because you'll always need people of all ages yeah, to true. be performing. Yeah, there's many instances of people that found fame and success in their 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s for the first time. Yeah, think of all the auditions they went on for all those years. <laughs> and many of them, but many of them, you know, they might have re- retired from their job, or you know, right. like a lot of times, like teachers, they'll teach and they've always wanted to act, and then you know, in their they 60s, pursue their dreams. They'll pursue their dreams. So That's a lot cool. of people, it's like, oh, I just want to, you know, I did it when I was younger. I want to come back to it. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So Especially, I'm sorry, I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> getting feisty yeah. no no it's, it's things i think about but go ahead gary that's, that's good question <laughs> let's let's address our guests yeah, i'm sorry <laughs> I'm no you're great i'm not today's <laughs> guest <laughs> so were you going on auditions and doing all that when you got here yeah some you mm-hmm. know i didn't have like management for acting but i'd go on like the you know student films and all that yeah Did oh. some, you know well, acting is one of the few things where, like, you're not doing it until someone hires right. you to do it. Ugh, yeah. 
you know even as a musician or a stand-up you can kind of just do your thing right well there are open mics there's not like acting open mics there's no like, let me go try out my monologue well, that's, right that's what improv is i guess it's for it, yeah i guess like, stretch, stretch out while you're not actually yeah somewhere yeah <laughs> so how did you stumble onto stand-up you're like oh i should just start doing stand-up because it'll well, give me yeah that was the reason to like, get more exposure as an actor to move yeah i wanted to move here to act and then i just immediately started doing stand-up too why not improv I, you know i could i only could deal with two art forms at once i <laughs> Do, don't know have you thought of improv because that would be the more natural place as an actor to go i took like a class and i would never do it again <laughs> i mean you know you, did, you took one class yeah, and was, you're like this doesn't fit my personality yeah, it's like fine and zip zap zap because like, i can't <laughs> are we clapping i don't like this was it too goofy for you it was i mean it was fun it, i do think it has like the benefits of you know thinking quick on your feet and stuff like that and having to work with other people yeah. and but yeah no I don't, it's not for me yeah i i did that too i took improv before i did stand up i did improv and uh it's definitely too goofy for me but i really think it helped to stand up i bet it no yeah i think it, they all like each one of the like, acting any i think they all lend themselves to each other if you do them yeah if that makes sense but like improv has this lesson that's good for life and like the whole yes and thing and being present in the moment and you know, following your fear and being well, You could brave. just read a book for that. <laughs> you could just read a self-help book or, a, you know, go to therapy. A, a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see. The, I'm battling two cynics here. <laughs> I'm starting to see what I'm dealing with. <laughs> I, I think each thing is, is different for every person. So, so one person might get a lot out of improv and the message behind it. Another person doesn't need it as much. Right. Do, do you feel like improv didn't serve your stand-up at all? I'm, I, I think it, do, it didn't like the sense of like, you know, the quick thinking kind of, you know, you know, yeah, thinking on your feet. You do zip, zap, zap before every stand up. Could you set. imagine how <laughs> fucking annoying that would be? It's like a group of comics just started doing that before a show. That always like made me cringe. Yeah, it's so dumb. I mean, I get it, but God. <laughs> so you, you're like, all right, I'm an actress, but I'm going to do stand up to get more exposure. Just a yeah, I thought it would lend itself. I thought like I would just you know because I was so funny growing up. Everyone always told me how funny I was, so yeah. I was like, oh, I'll just skyrocket through stand up, and then <laughs> obviously I'll just get all these acting roles. Right. You know? Well, someone, so I don't know who said it, but they like because it's one thing to be funny in the moment and with your friends, mm -hmm. but stand up's kind of a different muscle. God, it is so different. Yeah, because you have to set the tone. Mm -hmm. You have to set the premise. You have to have jokes. And you have to have <laughs> jokes. Yeah. Well, when you're with your friends and you're joking around, it's like, all right, the tone, the background story, mm -hmm. everything's the premise, everything's all set. Yeah, you're not getting a laugh is great, but it's not mandatory. Like as that's the point of stand up, you know, you're trying right. to get laughs, which you might be with a group of your friends, but it's also not like, oh, I just bombed in this conversation. Like, <laughs> you know, I mean, we've all bought, we've all said a joke that wasn't funny in of a course. conversation a hundred of them hundreds and hundreds oh, really? of them. I'm, not, I'm not that many <laughs> yeah well, no i've had moments <laughs> so you started doing oh, so when you first how did it go the first time how was your first time i first well this is a, i kind of went into it backwards too because most people start going to mics you went into it from behind uh, yeah uh most of my life <laughs> you know like i what i did is i i got um I, I just messaged, this was still in MySpace, was, you know, the thing. Yeah. And I just literally messaged every comedian I could find uh -huh. and just kind of explained my story, how I'm moving to New York, blah, 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 blah. 
and so many people actually were really nice and wrote back you know a lot of dudes were creepy and were like let's you know fuck when you get here and i'm like this isn't what i want to do really they would say uh, yeah like just some like that. some were so creepy and you know others were super nice i mean like i don't know if it was lewis black actually or somebody who just like did his you know yeah. myspace account but they wrote back to me really positively and talk it was really cool like certain ones and then this uh, female comic, uh, Maria Shahada. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I said female comic, but like you guys won't know. I'm so whatever. Um, <laughs> she introduced me. Uh, she was a barker at the World, the Broadway, mm -hmm. when it was uh, like eight years ago, when it was kind of like the thing to do when you started. It was to go there, bark, because you got up every night and you got paid, you know, for your flyering. And it was actually a really good group of people at the time. Yeah. Like Mike Drucker was there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was just like, yeah, it was, it was beneficial, but I wasn't like writing. I would just, you know, so I did like maybe three mics and then I just started barking for a year and a half. Uh -huh. Like I never went to mics. I never like tried to write new, I wasn't branching out. It was like, I'm just doing this and I'm getting up constantly with yeah. my terrible, like five, six minutes of like not real jokes, but. But in front of a real audience. Yeah. But it was in front of a real audience. Um, and then I, yeah, I just, I like stopped. I took like a break for like a year then. Cause I didn't know. Why did you take a break? I think I was just over, uh, I don't, cause I didn't know what I wanted to do really with it. Like I kind of wanted to do more, but I was yeah. almost like starting over. Cause then I had to branch out and I was like, I don't know why, what right. I'm going to do. Like, I don't, I don't want to go to Mike's now. You got spoiled. I did. And I knew enough people too that I, after I took that year off, I went and had um, a really good conversation with Mike DiStefano who passed away. Yeah. Uh, a few years back and it was that conversation yeah that and that him. got me yeah it was that it killed him and got me back into stand-up it wasn't like yeah no win, -win. it was oh, that's such a fucked up thing too is like that dude like beats heroin and aids and then dies of a heart attack at 44 it's like yeah. really really life that's yeah. just whatever but no he uh we had a really good conversation and yeah i just got back into it and i was fortunate where i knew so many people from broadway because like you know uh, the, the barking room was one thing but then it'd be like the downstairs where like a lot of headliners and like good comics the bigger room so yeah. i got to know them all so right. it was like kind of beneficial in that way what did he say that got you back into it i mean we just had a long talk about you know if you want to do it do it or don't you know mm. uh, and you can't half-ass it really you really can't yeah you know and you then i saw like something hit me really hard with his tattoos which i got after he died he had here and now here's your zen bullshit uh -huh. no. <laughs> so those are your, those are actual tattoos on your wrists yeah and he had them and cause i remember asking him like what is what is that for and he uh -huh. was very into buddhism and he was like you know what time is it now where are we here and i was i really liked that whole like just kind of like yeah live life no. i hate sounding like a you know dr phil self-helping i hate that but uh -huh. it was true and it hit me really hard yeah and then i just yeah i just started kind of was it after he died that you got those tattoos yeah. on your wrists after he died yeah yeah so when you look at those that here and now tattoo does it bring you to the here and now or does it bring you to the time when you're getting the tattoo <laughs> the time when I was getting the tattoo. <laughs> no i mean it, it it does it brings me you know it centers me sometimes where it's like a nice you know stupid but sweet reminder it's like yeah. okay come on dude calm down because it's so easy in this to get too far ahead of ourselves forget why we're even doing it because you're just like eh, i need to get something i need to get you know a credit or i need my management to do this or yeah and you're like oh maybe i should just focus on you know being good <laughs> maybe that's you know, totally yeah and that's I'll so hard to do i think in new york it is. There's so much stimulation mm -hmm. and distraction, but it's good to, in general, just be conscious of the moment and the process, right? Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. So the first time you went, it was an open mic? Yeah, it was at a in the basement of a taco place. How'd you do? I went up dead last. Oh, <laughs> and it was, it, was, it was good, though, because, you know, I'm this little 
little girl from Minnesota. Like, this is my first time. You said it was your first time? Yeah. That's so good. they were like supportive of it. Right. So. So you had a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. So I did like a handful of mics and then, like I said, just barked and then. So the year that you quit, did you feel like something was missing? Um, yeah, not something missing so much as like, I was just, I thought that's what, you know, it was. You just, I thought that's it. Like I just barked for like three hours a night and then I went on stage for five minutes. Like, what was the point of that? I don't understand. Right. And it, cause I wasn't, you know, really doing it to its full. Did you know you were just taking time off or at that point were you thinking maybe you're done? Yeah. I thought I was probably done. Were you looking for another outlet? I was still doing the acting stuff at that time, Okay, but yeah, I just didn't fit. Is acting an outlet? Yes, Gary. Yeah, yeah, I think it can be. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you listened to anything? Yeah, I think it can be. I mean, I guess it's an outlet if you're actually doing it, if you're in a play or if you're in a show. But if you're just going on auditions, it feels like constipation to me. Sure. I was in classes, though. Like, that was a thing. So it's weekly. So it's like, and then we'd work on scenes in the classes and outside. So So you're doing it. Yeah. It was a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. You have to elicit, conjure up these emotions. And they go, like, my teacher had, like, a process, like, this four, four, fourth process thing that she created what is the fourth process there's just four processes that you go through with each scene that we would do what are these i don't want to pay for the class right you? right <laughs> you just teach me here now like first process you would like it's reading the um the script with your partner like in your own voice and then you read it in the characters and then you kind of mold like the, her big thing was like the character becomes you like it's <clears throat> like you, you mold into the character so so you be the character becomes a form of you or yeah you, you, both okay. so like it just like yeah you mold in you become the character you're gonna act but you it's also it a part of, yeah so and that was a really cool concept i thought yeah so she had a bunch of different yeah the processes that was one of them and i don't remember the third and the fourth was like always sound and movement that was extended sound and movement yeah like Ex- you go in a circle with your partner and it would yeah it would be a extension of sound and movement where everything would just start to like be exaggerated like okay. movement yeah and you'd mock each other and it was really cool like to mirror watch. each other yeah in different ways and then break out of it and then reconnect again right yeah i guess that teaches you how to uh work with someone else and to use your instrument to like your body and to, like this you know the space right to forget when you're like in when you're doing theater it's you have to be so much bigger because you're performing out to an audience mm-hmm. instead of like on screen yeah you could be much smaller mm-hmm. movements translate yeah yeah so you like acting? I do. I mean, I'm always going to be very passionate about it, but I'm not going on fucking auditions unless, you know, I'm sent out or whatever. <laughs> you prefer stand-up? Yeah. I'm not going to, yeah, listen to me. Like, yeah. What am I going to fucking do? Like, <laughs> I'm this person. Yeah. So how have, you, how have you evolved as a stand-up? Oh, God, I don't know. Like, are, you, are you doing, what you do now, is it similar to how you started? No, God, no. I hope not. That's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) You imagine if I'm still doing like the same. I think I was very, uh, because people tell me like I'm dark as a stand-up a lot, which I am, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't think I'm dark. I think I'm just honest, but. Have you been dark as a, were you dark as a person before you did stand-up? Yeah. I mean, I'm just, yeah, I'm just this kind of person, I think. People always told you you're dark? Yeah, like I'm not negative, they'll say sometimes, or, Uh you know, blunt, push, Mm -hmm. whatever. But like a lot of, I'm like, whatever, it doesn't even matter. Uh, but I was, the jokes I went, I started with too, it was, you know, about being in psychiatric care and eating disorders and very, very dark stuff, cutting. Yeah. So to start off with that heavy, you know, kind of material and not know how to perform it. So it came off very self-deprecating, 
uh-huh. in the beginning. And then I finally like I went to like the other extreme where I kind of came off really mad about it. Right. I was trying to show them that I'm not being self-deprecating. And right. I think I finally have found some kind of a balance where if you let the audience know you're okay, yeah. they're okay without, you know, being angry and pushing it down there. Like, I am fine. Right, yeah. Well, that, that's I think that's one of the reasons they say you shouldn't feel emotional about anything that you're doing because if you're emotional about it, you need, you need to separate yourself emotionally from it. And I've noticed that if I have a bit that's like kind of like from an emotional place, uh-huh. it doesn't really get the laugh well, do you think that I think you, I think you need the emotion to kind of back it up, but I think if it's too soon or too much of like exactly a fresh wound, like that's when it doesn't work. It can come off as like a confessional, or yeah. like you're at your therapist's Therapy office, or yeah, or you're are <laughs> you're scared it's not going to work, so, and you're timid to tell this you know personal detail. That's when I think it doesn't work. But I do right. think you need the emotion behind it because, or else, what's the point? You know, you're passionate about telling it. Yeah, you're just a flatline joke. Yeah, yeah. Meh. <laughs> So, is this something that actually happened to you? Were you in psychiatric care? Oh, yeah. (laughs) See, this is what I love about conversations. (laughs) Like how information just slowly, organically gets revealed. Yeah, it comes out. It always does in podcasts. But, you know, yeah, uh, all my stuff is honest. Mm -hmm. All the the psych ward stuff and what have you. Psych ward, can I, what, were you in a psych ward? Yeah, yeah, several. (laughs) Several? Obviously. Several different times? Yeah. Uh, did you get put there or did you put yourself there? I, I got put there because I was an adolescent. Uh, I went when I was thir- 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Each year? Yeah, yeah it years? became like a, a routine. Like it's like yeah. summer camp. Yeah. Justy's gone again. You know? <laughs> Everyone was like, oh, okay, yeah. this is the time of year. Because you're a bad kid? I had a lot of mental issues. Um, and, you know, I was put on a lot of different like antidepressants. I was a cutter. I started cutting at 11. Okay. And I got really bad. Uh throughout yeah my teens Mm -hmm. and what have you so that was a big obviously that makes sense like if your kid is you know slitting up their arms and legs you might be like you know i don't know what to really do here i might put them somewhere yeah i'm sure most parents wouldn't know how to handle it no but i mean those places dude they'll make you crazier like than you are like that's the problem yeah like i was really fucking sane compared to some of the kids in there but if you're told you're crazy long enough that's embedded into your head like you start to kind of get crazy you know yeah exactly so and you're in a locked facility and yeah it's it's, i don't know do do you feel like based on the the stereotypes of the midwest versus new york do you feel like you you needed to be come to new york or a place like this to sort of find a place definitely for for the strong emotions you're having yeah and i just think because it's like especially where i'm from it's it's very close it's not it's closed-minded in the sense they're just not aware of anything outside of their bubble. Like they live, like I'm from a small, small town. Like I graduated high school with 44 kids. Wow. Like, so it's one of those very close, we don't, you know, your emotions down. I don't care if you use booze or alcohol. You just put them down. Let's not talk about stuff. This is not, I'm so worried what the neighbors think. Right. So it's like, you know, I was labeled as the crazy person in school because everything, everyone knows everyone's business. That's how small towns are. Yeah. It's, you know, so this is part of the part of the reason that you probably stayed that way or feeling Possibly, that way. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And then I ran away. Yeah. Screaming. Is, is cutting something and, and I don't want to simplify no, it with one with one phrase or sentence, but is it because you were raised to kind of keep your emotions and everything inside? This was like, I need to let something out. I need to feel something. I need to get this out. Sure. Yeah. Especially. Yeah. Because it's uh if you're going through so much emotional pain and you don't know how to deal with it, especially at like 11 young. Like I look back so on it now, I'm like, Jesus, like where I didn't yeah. get the idea. I don't know where it came from. I, yeah. It's like almost the emotional pain is so overwhelming that you have to turn it physical. 
And I think there's a part of it that's a release. And then another part where you feel you need to be punished. Mm. And then it becomes like an addiction, to be honest. The cutting. Yeah. Because you, is, it's a, what's addictive about it? It becomes, like you're saying, a release. Uh-huh. That's what it feels like. So it's like almost in a really fucked up way, it becomes like soothing. Right. Like it makes, you know what I mean? It's a coping mechanism that's completely unhealthy and, you know, not good, but. For some reason, I want to equate it to like, uh, an, it's just like an outlet. Yeah. It's like having having an idea for a joke is one thing, but it's not until you say it on stage that it becomes released. Sure. Is it kind of like that? Kind of. Should I not be comparing cutting to jokes? <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I have great cutting jokes. So. No, but it's to be really honest, it's just as like an alcoholic drinks to deal with, you know, or a drug user or any... It's just visible. That's the only difference. Well, alcohol and drugs is more to numb it or to escape those feelings. Sure. With but I, cutting, think, it's, I think it's a way to also, like it's a release, but it also it is, huh? is a, yeah, it's kind of a, yeah, it's hard to. Well, the thing with drugs and alcohol is that you don't get the release of the emotions. You just numb them. For the, yeah. Well, I think a, a lot of times with alcohol and probably other drugs too, maybe cocaine, other things, uppers, you are able to express stuff that you wouldn't normally be able to if you're feeling repressed. In certain ways, like yeah. I'm going to get drunk and go crazy. Yeah, a lot right. of people do do that because yeah. they're social that way. Or, you know, or I can talk. I can. I, it makes me feel better to be around a bunch of people. I thought everyone's a drunk, you know, an alcoholic in the comedy world. I feel like it's yeah, just, it makes that. it easier. Yeah, to interact socially and mm-hmm. that's a great. Well, you deal with your social anxiety mm-hmm. by not being present by being drunk. It sure does work. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's it like in a psych ward? Well, oh, well you were in a children's psych ward, right? Yeah, I was in the adolescent. Mm-hmm. Um, but like Miller Dwan, I was in that one like four times. And that's a short-term facility. So I'd go from anywhere to like a week to three weeks. And okay. then they'd discharge you. And, and you'd be taken out of school for this? Yeah, like they had like, you know, uh, like a kind like your schools could send stuff over and you'd have school throughout the day, but yeah. not real school. It was like alternative Right. And then uh, when I but was... But you become a thing in school, especially in a small town. Yeah, it's oh like, God, oh, yeah, no. It was, that was awful. Yeah, yeah, everyone knew. And it was just very uncomfortable. Right. Um, I get teased a lot. I, uh, I got into a fight with a girl one time and I punched her because uh, I have anger issues also. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah. her, one of her friends put white out all over her arms, like cuts. Uh-huh. And then like walked around the school like, I'm Justy, I'm trying to get attention and stuff like that. Oh, sh- and it's like, I get it now and it's like, whatever. But yeah, as a kid that will, you know, I'm already dealing with like trying to hide this and it's completely open. And right. So that was a lot. Were you putting whiteouts on your cuts? No, it was just, you know. <laughs> That's pretty creative. Her. <laughs> <laughs> just use markers, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that girl had problems too. She yeah, wanted she the attention using you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. She deserved to get punched. Bitch. Uh, and they put you on all these meds in the psych yeah. wards, right? Yeah. Which I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not against um, medicating yourself, especially with, you know, antidepressants. I do think we're too quick to jump to it now, especially mm-hmm. with children where, you know, something as simple as their diet might be a thing. Right. And I was, yeah, it's, I'm 11, 12, 13, 14. It's like, I'm going through the changes. I'm, you know, I'm going through puberty. Of course, I'm going to be fucking angry yeah. and screwed up. That's just normal. Mm-hmm. So you putting all these, you know, chemicals in me and what have you, I don't know. So I don't, I didn't agree with that. It's very disconcerting when I hear of kids on meds. Yeah. Cause they're just, their chemistry is just developing. They're just developing. Yep. Sometimes I think it is necessary, and I understand that. I'm not saying in every case, but yeah. I think, yeah, society is way too quick to do, like, just throw you a med. How long were you on? Were you on one specific? Or no, I was on everything. Everything. They yeah. just kept switching them? Kept switching them, and 
I think that's kind of what screwed me up too is because I was 11 when they first put me on them. Yeah. And I just remember my mom and the doctors being like, this is going to, this is going to make you better. It's going to, so that was like embedded in my 11 year old head. Right. Where I'm like, oh, okay. So pills make me better. So that's probably why, you know, as I got older and started yeah. doing heavier drugs and uh, pill pop, you know, I was like, oh, that's why probably because, you know, for the majority of my life, they told me taking this pill was going to fix me. Right. But it, did it, did it? Did you stop cutting no. at some point? No. I mean, I still like, that's the weird, like I haven't for a, yeah, I, I still have slips. I do. Um, I'm still in therapy. You know, I think this is just a lifelong battle, like any kind of addictive issue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's not nearly as, you know, frequent as it used to be. Like, you know, for years it was just daily, numerous times a day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's it's funny because I still do, I'll get stares a lot, like from, because my arm is very scarred up, uh-huh. but it's kind of like I fuck with people now. It's like fun. You know, like I make jokes about it where I'm yeah. like, you only love cats. You know, it's like fun now for like every, like, because it's whatever. And it's actually kind of weirdly informative. And I've had like young girls come up to me and talk to me who are also cutters because they see my arm. Right. And I think it gives them some kind of hope. I've talked to, you know, why why always the arm is it just because it's closest it's easiest well i'm right-handed so it's like my yeah. left arm is fucked up <laughs> <laughs> but never like do you ever yeah it's, it's all over my question. body oh okay i'm yeah, yeah i've moved i'm okay. not just like a one-armed you know okay. cutter yeah. i got everywhere you've, you've explored right yeah now is that is it a similar drive to suicide are they not related? at all not at all that's a that's a big misconception people have uh-huh because everyone assumes like when especially a young kid's cutting that they're they want to kill themselves and i'm not saying they're not always or they're not suicidal they could be but normally that's not the case it's it's yeah it's a, it's a release or sometimes it is an attention thing with kids too mm-hmm. and some i've heard of it being like it's a way for some people to just feel yeah you can physically feel. I think that kind of goes back to you're so emotionally like overwhelmed and it hurts and you don't know what to do. So to turn it into physical, right? you feel that and you see that and it makes it like, that's, oh, that's how you're feeling. Yeah. And head, it, head to body. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, that's how I think about smoking. Like, uh, you know, when I quit smoking, like you, I was, I would just bring my fingers up to my lips and take a breath. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, then maybe that's a lot of it. I just wanted that mind-body connection. I could see that. And especially with the breath involved. So you put your fingers together and you pull them towards your lips and your mind's going, oh, yeah, bring your fingers up. Mm-hmm. Take a breath. Let it out. <laughs> and in that moment, you just feel so like... Because you're still doing all the action to it? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe I don't need the smoke. Well, that's pretty, you know, big <laughs> it, of you. <laughs> it, it worked. It worked at least for a little while, but it's hard. Yeah. I still smoke. Yeah. I'm supposed to quit in the next two weeks. Really? Is that part of the plan? <sighs> Why two weeks? It's my birthday and my boyfriend just quit and I'm kind mm-hmm. of being a dick because I'm smoking in the house all the time. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. How long has he quit for? What's he on? I mean, he's cheated a couple of times, but it's, he quit for a good, he quit for like a year and a half and then went back to it. Uh, about a year ago. Well, He's, when you don't smoke, you really notice how much yeah. it stinks. It's I hate the smell too. Yeah. When I'm not, but he loves it. That's the weird thing. He loves <laughs> it. Like him and his dad. His dad is, used to be a heavy smoker, and he yeah. lo- like he will. His dad's hilarious. He'll follow people who are smoking if we're walking on the street. Like he'll go up to the to smell the cigarette smoke they're blowing. It's so funny, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, I just love that smell. Right. I love it. And I'm like, you're so creepy right now because you're following a dude, and it just looks weird. Yeah, he could just light a cigarette and just put it under his just, face. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. So this is an ongoing battle. So you, do you have a handle on it? 
Do you feel like you have it? Not smoking, smoking but the cutting. cutting? Yeah. Back to that addiction. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I do. Like I said, I have I have slips, mm-hmm. you know, but they're very, you know, it's rare. It's mm-hmm. Every like few months, if that. You mentioned that the pills kind of led you to other stuff. Yeah, I did meth for a while too. In pill form? No. Yeah. In straight meth form. In sweet, sweet meth form. That crystal crunchy meth? Well, Midwest, you know, what are you going to... Actually, the funny thing with that is, too, is like, I had been to rehab, and I got put there way too young. Like, I shouldn't have got... Because I was smoking pot. And, but because of all this psychiatric stuff, and they, were, they started to, uh, you know, take piss tests. Because they're uh-huh. like, are you, are you doing drugs? Because they can't figure out what's wrong with you. Um, was it drugs or was it? It was just pot. It was, right. it was so not a big deal. And so I got UA'd, it's called, um, and I got put into outpatient treatment. And uh-huh. then I kept getting dirty UA's. So they sent me into rehab. And I'm like, I, I shouldn't be here. Like, th- these are kids who do eight balls of like, co- you know, it's like, this is nuts. Right. And uh, I, yeah, that was really weird. So when I, and I went to NA for a long time and AA, which is so funny because I didn't have a problem still. So I almost feel like that made me have a problem because I listened to these stories. And I'm like, I should go back out for a couple of years and then come back and be around you people. Well, there's a, there's a <laughs> running theme here so far because in the psych ward as a kid, you felt like everyone else is much more messed up than you. Right. Um, yeah, they were. But I mean, that made sense to be there because I was, you know, hurting myself and what have you. Like yeah. when I first went into rehab, there was no reason for it. No, rehab for pot is silly. That's so ridiculous. Yeah. Were like the tough cokehead kids making fun of you? Yeah. Well, no, but believe me, that was the thing is like the first day you go in, you have to do like, it's called a drug history chart with every, you know, buddy else, all the other kids that were in there and you've put every drug you've done, how often. And I'm just like. My chart was so like sad. It was almost like I was almost like embarrassed. Where I was like, I I don't know what this. You're like making up drugs. Yeah, like this is so weird. Like why? I like to you know give it my all when I'm gonna do something. I commit. So I felt like yeah, no one believed me. They're like, I don't think you're being honest about this. And I'm like, no, I am. I just shouldn't fucking be here for smoking Mm -hmm. pot. Yeah. So and then you know, ironically, I got into meth after. But I got into meth more because well, first from a girl I had met in the psych ward years before. Like we had become a very unhealthy you know enabling friendship where we both dealt with cutting and uh, like eating disorder stuff mm-hmm. and then off and on with the drug stuff but she got me into meth to lose weight oh yeah which great is diet. hilarious because like, yeah it's like <laughs> would you get into meth because i want to be thin but right. it's like it does work but still it's like an insane yeah extreme way to go about that you know exercise just didn't do it mm-hmm. so is that why you started doing it meth yeah to like, lose weight really like, initially yeah oh wow it's yeah it's really weird and it works so you're like these drugs do work well yeah and then they kind of take over and you stop you know your thinness is just a benefit now Mm -hmm. meth's a particularly hard drug on your body Mm -hmm. yeah it's because it's like all poison and battery acid it's just gross shit that you put in your body very chemical and also the sleep deprivation is really bad for you yep yeah how long did you do that for steadily (sighs) i'd say like it's weird. I tried to do it as, you know, obviously as often as I could. For, yeah. It was like a it was like a year to two year. Just doing it all the time. As much as How possible. How would you sleep? You don't. I was I ended up in the hospital with 104.7 temperature at the end of it. Paranoia? Do you have paranoia? I have, you, you get paranoia, you know, after being up for several days. Yeah. But yeah, the beginning of it's great. Absolutely mm-hmm. wonderful drug for yeah. like an hour or two. And then it's just <laughs> the crash. Jesus. It's yeah. And I didn't sleep. I didn't eat. And yeah, I ended up with just getting severely ill were yeah. you using it creatively at all to do something to like clean my house yeah you know like 
That was helpful. Yeah, it doesn't. I don't think it's necessarily seen as classically creative <laughs> drug. Yeah. Well, people use it productively. They make all kinds of stuff on it. Yeah, and then they slowly like lose their minds. Right. <laughs> I'm cleaning this little crevice with a toothbrush that yeah, no dude. one can see. It's an icky drug. Was there some of that? Not to that degree, but there was. Yeah, there was just like nitpicking and like. Mm-hmm. Ugh, yeah, it's a it's a really gross drug. Have you always been drawn to uppers? Yeah. You like the uppers? So much about uppers. Yeah, I hate downers. I don't fuck around with like, I hate Xanax. Yeah. I feel like it just makes me like my cunty timing less. Like it just like fucks it up. I don't like it at all. I'll take it when I fly and that's it. Mm-hmm. So you you did the NAAA thing for mm-hmm. a while? Did you go through all the steps? Oh yeah, several times. You did? You did the whole yeah. program? Like, but I was did- too young too. Like I didn't, it's, that's again the weird thing. Like I think I just got like attached to the people in it. Uh-huh. Well, that's a lot of it, isn't it? I think so. Well, and it, being from a small town, like New York, it's huge here, AA. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can not see the same person ever if you don't want to. Right. Where it's like there was only so many meetings. And I was so, like, the youngest one, obviously. But I loved all these big biker dudes, you know, coming to pick me up for meetings and going to coffee. Like, I, you know, I can only imagine, like, what my neighbors thought with, like, <laughs> these fucking just rough ex-con bikers. Yeah. I'd get on their Harleys all the time and well, stuff. Well, how old were you at the time? Uh, 15, 16, 17. Wow. Yeah, I was really young. So you grew up fast. Yeah. That's why it's weird now because like I have like this weird bingo addiction. You're addicted to bingo? So, but like the app. It's so sad. Like uh-huh. it's so fucked up. Like I pulled my muscle this weekend uh, playing bingo, just holding it all through the snowstorm. You're already like a modern day grandma. Oh God. <laughs> I, it's so, yeah. Like I like went way too fast and right. like I can't be, I can't. People who know I have like a meth problem, I can't be like, well, no, I'm you know, addicted to my bingo app. Like, that's insane. Like, I've spent money on this app. You, you can't win anything. But you, I just want to buy more. It's crazy. Is it one of those apps where you have to spend real money to get coins? To get more. Like, oh, no. They refill. They refill like every 24 hours. But, you know, again, my addictive personality. I'm yeah. like, no, I need more now. So I like, yeah. Are you spending money on this I app? I have. Yeah. My boyfriend's taking it away from me now. Like a child. Like, right. It's so sad. And no, those things are super addictive. Oh, so terrible. Mm-hmm. And I will spend hours playing it. But you've never been to like actually like bingo night, Wednesday night at the church or something like I that. I mean, we had turkey bingo when I, back home. but You no. could probably go to an AA meeting at the church and just stay right? for the bingo oh, God. <laughs> later. <laughs> so That's like uh, we went down to, me and my boyfriend went down to Florida last year. And his mom has uh, a condo in one of those 55 plus resorts. Mm-hmm. And like mm-hmm. just that's, that's what they do. And yeah. I want, I like, I was like, I could do this. Like I could quit comedy and move to fucking Florida and just play bingo with these old people. And I'd be so happy. So you were getting a sense of where you could end up. Yeah. Where I will end up. No <laughs> doubt. If I make it to 55. Totally. Yeah. 55. Right. <laughs> I was thinking 75. No, dude. That's oh, so funny. That's awesome. So, all right. So are you still using anything? No, I mean, I drink. You have, you, have, you have things under control? You're under control? I think so. I mean, yeah. I probably drink too much, but who doesn't? What is too much? I drink pretty consistently, nightly. Yeah. Sometimes not, but... Yeah, but that's kind of normal for New York to Yeah, drink. and I didn't used to. That was the weird thing. Like, even after all, you know, the re- like I, I would maybe drink once a month. Uh-huh. Like three Bud Lights. Well, that's the great thing about crystal meth. When you do it all the time, you don't really want to drink. I, yeah, I don't know. I just never was a drinker until I moved, like until like my divorce, like around that time, and yeah. then I started drinking straight Jameson, and I got really good at it. Did being married and have that 
uh, traditionally domestic life kind of ground you and like make you not want to party? Or not anything? at all. No. Not at all. Because we weren't like a traditional, it was two comics with a roommate. You know, we slept on a futon. Like, what were we trying to do? Right. Like, you know, like, Why did you get married? Um, you know, I don't like to say no. And uh, <laughs> they asked. No, it was, yeah, I mean, I thought it was... It was fine up until... I'm, I'm not judging it no, all. Not, no, it's, uh, I thought, you know, that was the person I was going to be with. Yeah. Uh, so he asked you to marry him as like a way of solidifying your union? Yeah. I just don't understand marriage. I, I don't. No, I don't either anymore. <laughs> it, it was fun. You know, we had a fun wedding. Um, Sean Patton married us. Very funny comic. Uh-huh. Uh, it, yeah, it was in a basketball gymnasium. There was like 250 people. Most were comics. Oh, that sounds fun. It actually was. It was a great party. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, but I don't know. I just, yeah, why not? I thought. Were you going to have kids? God, no. no. We actually got rid of one um, the same week we got engaged, which is so <laughs> ironic. <laughs> Sorry, pro-choice. Uh-huh. <laughs> Very oh, much so. Yeah. I thought you gave birth and got rid of them. <laughs> yeah. No, I would never do it to my body. Did you not hear what I went through to keep it this way? And then just throw it away. That was your honeymoon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Planned Parenthood honeymoon. Oh, God. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I like the dichotomy of the very traditional versus the very untraditional. What's I, I think the traditional doesn't even exist anymore. Well, obviously you've blasted it. Right? <laughs> but it's like, yeah, we didn't... I mean, that is the thing that people ask. Like, why did you get married if you didn't want kids? And it was just... I don't know. We had a dog. I was yeah. like... I don't know. I, could, I mean, I'm sure I could change my mind. People say that all the time. They're like, you're young. You might change your mind. You might want them later. And I'm like, I don't think I will. I'm just mm-hmm. not. Right. Well, you don't have to make that decision now, right? No, and I don't have to get married to do it. But right, yeah, exactly. That was, I don't know. It's it's weird because my brother, uh, he's been married a, a bunch of times too, and he's got a kid with another woman, and mm-hmm. my sister's got a bunch of kids but never been married. Yeah. So it's like I felt like I won because I'm like, oh, I don't have any kids, and I got <laughs> through a divorce. So. so you're not an only child. No, I'm the youngest of three. You're the youngest. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you had older older brother and sister. Billy Kyle. Bob and Wendy. Yep. <laughs> Billy Bob, really? Yeah. Nice. Oh, isn't it? No, it's so sad. <laughs> like, who gives? And his son's Joe Bob. I'm like, why would you do that? I don't understand. Are they still in Minnesota? Of course. Uh-huh. Where, where are they going? Or most of the people that you grew up with in that town, they stayed. Yeah, most of them. So, but that was like super courageous of you to get on an Amtrak and move out here. It, it, well, I see that now. Like when mm-hmm. I was twenty, I was I didn't, you know, it didn't register that way. I was like, this is just what people do. Like they just try to escape and run away. <laughs> like yeah, it felt normal to you. Yeah, and but now yeah, looking back, I'm like yeah, that was fucking nuts. Like anything could have. What was I doing? But I'm glad I did. Definitely. And I went back um, for my reunion last year, and everybody just sucked my dick. It was it was like the greatest. It was yeah. like the you know the story. Like I just went back. I'm not even famous, but like. They totally think I am. So right. I like won. Like I just, every person who was ever mean to me, any dude I ever had a crush on. Nice. Just coming up to me. Like I saw you on TV and I'm like, go fuck yourself. But keep telling me how great I am. Like it was like, <laughs> oh, it was like my prom queen moment finally yes. happened. It was so good. That's great. That is, that could be very rewarding. Yeah, it was it totally like for the wrong reasons. But it but. seemed normal to you to move out of there, but obviously it didn't seem normal to everybody else. Yeah, because nobody... That's not, you know, you don't do or that. They might have been happy to see you go. Like, I think I, get rid of her. you would think. No, I think I upset people more. I think I was a scapegoat for a lot of, like, with my family stuff. I think they liked to pin, that was a thing to pin it on for anything that was going wrong. Uh-huh. Like, Justy's messed up. Justy's in the psych ward. You know, she's got all these props. And I think that was, yeah, just a way to kind of, you know, 
uh, like I was their like version of cutting or something. Like they just got to pin all their problems right. on me. Right, scapegoat you yeah. for everything. Yeah. But your brother and sister, how do they do? In terms of <laughs> like life. Well, do they have any uh, uh, like? My uh, brother's a drunk. He he's, he's a heavy heavy, heavy alcoholic. Yeah, and my sister's just angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're good people my brother was actually just out here he visited and that was just a treat <laughs> i love him but he is insane yeah yeah he asks every like black male comic friend if they play basketball no. like it's just like it's this oh yeah like buffalo <laughs> they were here for five days and we went to buffalo wild wings like three times i'm like why are why why do we have to do like they're just so i don't want to i went out and try new things right yeah but him and his new wife came and she's nice yeah mm-hmm. it's interesting though god are they just repeating the pattern of your family of your parents say hello to a new era of mental health care cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 online you'll experience the all-new cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. With less children, I guess. But my parents are still together. They shouldn't be, but they're still together. Right. They just made it work. Yeah, they don't like each other. I don't think. I think my dad likes my mom. I think it's convenience because she doesn't work, and he, you know, always was the provider, and right. she just took care. Like it was very 1950s. Like mom stayed home, kids yeah. cooked three meals a day, and and your dad is funnier than your mom, so it works out. Oh God, <laughs> he's really. They're both not funny. They're like both so unfunny. It's, well, the older generations, I think they didn't really. Uh, dream or aspire as much as well and they didn't have money to or like my mom was really poor like she grew up like in a family of four kids and her parents died at 51 and 52 a month apart Mm -hmm. from like severe alcoholism and like she's never had her own bed my mom's never had her own bed wow she went right from that house sharing it with her sister because they were again so poor right to you know sharing it with my dad they were young when they got married 20 yeah 21 20 i think she was yeah, he's three years older than her, so mm-hmm. I forget exactly what age it was, but they had my brother at 21. Well, now that they're not getting along that well, maybe she can get her own bed. I mean, he sleeps downstairs a lot, but... Are you, are you moving in on her mom? <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. sexy Cindy, you know? <laughs> as long as she's not funny, then I like right. her. No, there's like, they live in a four-bedroom, like the, the house my dad built, they still live in it. It's huge. They don't need to... 
His it's dad crazy. built the house you grew up in? Of course he did. What he's a mountain a man. man, right? Yeah. He really is. It's crazy. He did all the wiring himself. All he's a, he's an electrician. He worked in mines. So as a way for you to rebel, you like marry skinny comics. Right. Well, James <laughs> wasn't that skinny, but yeah. He wasn't? <laughs> Not at all. I marry sober ones usually. Was he a sober one? Yeah. Well, when I was with Chris, that's the other comic who I was, mm-hmm. he was a sober guy, which my dad couldn't understand when i brought chris home right. to, to the you know family's annual party the beer bash uh very upset when he offered chris a beer and i'm and chris was like no thanks and my right. dad's like what do you mean what, do you, what why and my chris is like i don't drink and he's like what do you mean you don't drink are you sick you're a man right, right. like did not and i'm like daddy's a recovering <laughs> alcoholic and he's like well then he should drink better than any of us and i'm like no that's not how this works <laughs> your dad's a real man oh my god he's insane he's funny though like when he's drunk but that's yeah. about it that's hilarious. <laughs> so one thing that I find interesting is that you seem to be attracted to people that are a little more mentally stable, stable than you. <laughs> yeah. Which or, is really, really good. Um, some, some fucked up people I know are attracted to people that are more fucked up than them. So they feel less fucked up. I mean, I feel like I was like that for a long time. I think that's why I miss dating drug addicts. <laughs> I was like, eh, I look like the stable one. Um, yeah. But... No, I think I work on myself enough mm-hmm. that I do project like that's what I, or I just try to fix dudes, you know, until like they have the self-esteem to leave me. I'm good at that. Like everyone, every guy I've been with in like the last 10 years I put in therapy and like within two years they're like, I'm done with you, dude. And I'm really? like, fine. <laughs> I just made you better. Now you're happy. How's it going with the new guys? You're getting really, well, he quit smoking. That's good. He quit you, drinking too. He, quit he, drinking, he actually yeah. had to quit drinking. Yeah. You're getting him on the, uh, he's path. in therapy. Don't worry. I got that. I took care of it. I took care of it. We so he should be done with you in what? Three months. So yeah, you're, Six, you're pretty much all these guys rock bottom. Yeah, yeah. I really am. But like I push them into like, I'm like, like a good rock bottom <laughs> i'm like the beneficial one so with you with your comedy do you get does all this pain and experience you have so much experience you grow up so fast did this this inform your stand-up yeah like well i uh most of my material is about a lot of that stuff uh-huh. you know mixed with now what's happening now or whatever yeah. uh yeah like and i did i did uh the caroline's breakout artist like a year or two ago mm-hmm. and that was great because it was just getting to do like an hour of just all this material that was it is darker but with when you have more time i don't know how much time you've ever done your Mm -hmm. longest amount of time but when you have you know when you're featuring or you get to headline you have so much time to play with the audience before it's like you know not just six or seven ten minutes where it's like i gotta win you over quick and then give you every joke i can give you in this like small amount of time yeah so it was a really cool like way to expand and to play with and you did get to see i think who i was through my material with that and would you say it's your therapy? Is it therapeutic for you? I, it is, but I fucking hate when people do that. Like comics uh, stand on say, like, this is my therapy. I can't afford it. Yeah, so this is what I have to do. Right. Like, Shut up. Well, don't say that to the audience. I was, it's so dumb. Unless I can invoice you. Don't tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it is to a degree because you get it out. But, you know, it certainly isn't <laughs> yeah. the extent of what therapy is. But do you feel like if you don't get on stage, like, because I kind of feel like if I don't get on stage, yeah. uh, something's wrong, for something's sure. building up. For sure, yeah. Yeah. So it must be some sort of therapy for us. Or an addiction. I mean, just, you know. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. That need for validation, <laughs> that constant need from strangers to like you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that maybe that is what it is. Yep. Who knows? But I enjoy it. Yeah, it's fun. I guess sometimes. That's not destructive. Oh, it can be. How, how so? How can I? How I, th- can I, I think a lot of comics um, want to be more fucked up than they are because they think that's going to lend itself 
when you don't have to be. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like so many of them like refuse to work on their issues because they're scared if they get healthy or meant, you know, they won't be funny anymore. Yeah. Like that's, I think you don't have to be fucked up to be funny. It Mm -hmm. actually is better when you're not fucked up and you're working on things because that opens more doors for you to, you know, and like you're saying, sometimes stuff will come out if it's too close to like the surface or it just happened without emotion. So it's like, unless you're dealing with some of that shit, how are you going to make it funny when you, you know what I mean? Does exactly. that make sense? Absolutely. I'm rambling yeah. now. <laughs> no, I think uh, stuff has to be a little bit under the surface to make yeah, it Yeah, you got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And how's it going? Like, do you are you afraid to put a lot of your stuff on stage? No. No? I'll put it on. And at this point, it's like, what am I going to do? I, yeah. think, I think the only thing that I don't like anymore is that people love to tell me their problems and i think it has to do with that after you see my set yeah and i don't know if it's like oh you're you get this or it's like you're too fucked up to judge me so i can tell you like i don't know what it is well you talk do you talk about cutting on stage talk about all of it yeah. okay so if and say like a 15 year old girl comes sure. up to you and is like oh I, you know i'm a cutter too do you feel a sense of responsibility as a role model i yeah and i also just i feel like it's kind of fulfilling though like you're giving back if that right. makes sense. Like, I feel like that's why, you know, I do stuff like that. or I talk about those things. Mm-hmm. Cause I do think it can help people. Not like I'm trying to, you know, I'm not a motivational speaker in a, you know, a gym, but <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I think a lot of stuff does stem from pain and I think mm-hmm. it's relatable in that sense. Like I, I did a, a podcast, our first podcast one time and it was all about cutting. Like he has a theme and I got so many emails, uh-huh. and, like messages from people just thanking me. And that felt really cool and yeah. rewarding and worth it yeah i think uh cutting is not something you hear about so much no. i feel like it's such a shame shamed thing yeah i mean it's gotten a little more open i think it's mostly female is that right a majority but there are yeah. there are guys that do it too mm-hmm. do, do you know why that is i think um i mean if i was to guess i think just that women are more uh they tend to be more open about their emotions and it kind of i think it comes out Mm-hmm. A little bit different, or if a guy is supposed to, you know, if a guy is cutting, I think it's viewed as weak and sad. Like, not that it's not with a female, but for some reason, I think guys would feel more shame or like embarrassed. It's like guys with eating disorders. Like, it's, I think, right. harder for them to come out about it or to talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it happens a lot. And I think it's a very common thing. Yeah. You don't hear it with guys. I know Elliot Smith was a cutter. Yeah. And I don't think that's public information. It is now, Gary. <laughs> is now. Well, I, I know I have a friend that knew him. Yeah. So, yeah. But um, yeah, it's a weird thing. Well, that's why I asked about the suicide because he supposedly committed suicide. Oh, okay. But you know, you were never cutting yourself, and you're like looking at your wrist. Like I could just cut myself right on my wrist also, and cuts, end it. Cuts like you gotta cut a certain. You know, most cuts are like like surface. Yeah. Well, they're just like back and forth, back and forth, as opposed to like when you're slitting your wrist. Like there's a way to slit your wrist. You know what I mean? If you're trying to kill yourself, you're going to go up to down. Like you're going to give a... So you never had that thought. You never just cut it I've yourself. had the thought. Sure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, no, I've done it. Like when I was younger, I OD'd and I also, yeah. So you did try. But it wasn't, it, the cutting had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. Nothing to do with it? No. Mm-hmm. I don't think. Are you glad to be alive now? <sighs> Some days, you know. I mean, it's, <laughs> life is exhausting as fuck. <laughs> uh-huh of course i mean yeah i'm not gonna you know jump out a window or anything yeah well then you're you're in the right place <laughs> maybe because you're just down in the basement <laughs> yeah i would lose my mind with no windows would you yeah yeah you could jump out the window here but you would just be on the ground <laughs> right <laughs> you won't get hurt you crawl out you'd be crawling out the ground <laughs> that's funny that's why i live in a basement 
case you have to crawl out or so you never jump out of a window. <laughs> so I never jump out of a window. What a terrible way to go, too. Like, what a stupid way to... Like, why? Well, yeah, this is a common thing. Uh, there was a whole book on people that tried to kill themselves. And a lot of people, when they jump off a building or a bridge or something, right when they got past, right when they pushed off the past of no return, they regretted it. Of course. Yeah. So, like, most people that try to kill themselves and don't do it, regret it. Uh, Yeah, I can see that. That's really, but what a bad, like, take pills like an adult and go to sleep. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to fuck up everybody's day if you jump out of a window. I know, there's so many. And I feel like that's part of it a lot of times, too. Like, someone who, like, jumps in front of a train, it's like, you know that you were, first of all, you're you're giving horrible visions to anyone that sees it. And you're fucking with everybody's day. Yeah. You know? What a terrible way to go. What a terrible way to go. Yeah. Yeah. I saw someone jump in front of an L train and they pulled him out and he was, he had survived, but like part of his body body was sticking up in weird places Ugh. it was really nasty yeah that's yeah. a horrible way to go yeah. bottle it up and take it out on your loved ones <laughs> yeah that makes sense <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how do you deal with your anger and stuff like that now yeah oh my boyfriend no <laughs> uh, just beat up your boyfriend all the time emotionally <laughs> no um i used to work out a lot i don't do that as much i guess the stand-up i will mm-hmm. i used to take some uh kickboxing classes that helped with the aggression yeah physical exercise yeah, to right? get that out i walk every day i mean a lot walking yeah. does help me it centers walking me. helps but it doesn't do it like running because you never get like you're not getting the adrenaline rush exactly and endorphins aren't being released but yeah blood's not pumping M- muscles aren't being used so so i fuck that's what i do i fuck <laughs> to get my aggression out. It's good I fuck my boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> Well, it does seem the, the anger or whatever you're calling it does inform your, your comedy, your personality. And uh, even though you think you wouldn't make a good actress, I think that character, there is a place for it. And oh, I think I'm a fantastic yeah, actress. I, th- I think at, at some <laughs> point someone will come to you with this part and they be like, should. like, you're going to be like the whatever, the, the, the person in this web series or movie that's an awesome, but it's going to be yeah similar to who you are and it's going to be very entertaining. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, and also like... Uh, you know, if you have if you're heartbroken, you can use that heartbroken feeling to make amazing things. Yeah. Instead of just trying to repair it, it's yeah. so like this anger or whatever you call it that you have inside of you can propel you. You know, it just is. It could either like propel you to the ground. <laughs> sure. No, I've used a lot of that with like scenes in acting, or you know, just through stand up. Yeah, I, I think I, I think our society is like, oh, you got to deal with that and no. make it right, but no, you should deal with it, but like. You can't, dude, go through the emotions because that's the best mm-hmm. way to, you know, whatever. I, don't, I I hate when people, yeah, like people don't want to deal with it. Obviously it hurts, you know, any kind of heartbreak, um, but you can't, it'll come out eventually. You can repress it for as long as you, it will come out sideways then. It will, somehow it will get out of you and right. it's better to just like allow yourself to feel, deal with it, you know, accordingly. Yeah. And like you're saying, like use it, it can go, you can, you know, make you help or you know, hinder, but yeah. And I, there shouldn't be any shame in feeling it and, no. and use, especially cause you could use it to, you know, propel you, make you very motivated, yeah. make you write, whatever. I mean, don't cry in public cause that's gross. No one wants to see that. <laughs> an adult and go to the bathroom. Sometimes I like when someone cries in public cause Ugh. it reminds everyone that we're, you know, anyone's capable of it. Yeah. Go watch a movie. I hate that. I saw, I hate I saw a girl crying on a train the other day. Yeah. And it made me uncomfortable. I was like, should I say something? Right. But that's just, who am I to, to be like, are you okay? Yeah. So I then just, you just look like I the just, creepy guy yeah, who's well, trying to take advantage. Instead, right. I just basically just stared at her. She was right for like, you know, like 20 minutes. I, I mean, I had to just look at her crying and we were just 
you know, it was weird. Awkward. Yeah. You didn't just take a picture of her to post I, it? <laughs> I did not, no. <laughs> Look at this dumb crying girl on the L tree. <laughs> you know Paul Hooper? He's a comic. Yeah, yeah. He thinks it's the funniest thing to see somebody crying or puking on the subway. It gives him an insane amount of joy. Yeah. Like, he will take videos, and it's the grossest shit. Like, when people are, th- he thinks it's hilarious. He's such the road comic. He'll just, yeah, dude. But he's not, that's the weird thing is, like, he's a, such, he's a road guy, but he's yeah. so not hacky and he's so not yeah yeah he's so funny i don't know if you know who paul is but he's no. he's very he's very dark and a very we cool go on the ride. he'll take me on the road sometimes with him i'll feature for him and it's uh, i mean it's just us two in a car yeah is probably traumatizing for anybody with us because we used to make my ex-husband so uncomfortable because we just feed off each other's negativity you know, oh god just back and forth back and he's got ocd so obviously i fuck with him right and we're just terrible to each other just obnoxious well, your ex-husband, he uh, doesn't seem negative to me at all. I mean, I don't know him, but... No, he's, it's, he's not. It's he's not, right? Very annoying. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> it's, too, it's like too much. It's like, nobody's that happy. Shut yeah. up. Well, now he's in LA, so he'll fit in. Ugh. <laughs> Fine. So what's next for you? No more cutting, right? I hope not. Yeah? Is this still an everyday battle? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not like... As conscious as it, you know, I'm not like, oh, I don't really want to cut right now. It's like, but it comes up, you know, especially when bad things happen or. What do you, is there, is there any tool you have to deal with it when it comes up? Well, like, sir, it's, they call it surfing the urge. So you find, you know, something to do while you're feeling like you want to cut. Like, I, I do a lot of walking. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll go outside, I'll be around, you know, in public for the most part. You replace the action with another action. Yeah. Or I'll, I used to color a lot and paint. Mm-hmm. Paint, I have my walls were all painted in my old apartment. I just get like into that groove. Like, <laughs> yeah. big mushrooms and shit all over the walls. Uh-huh. But yeah, I'll try. Or I'll call my, th- I, you know, I'll text my therapist. Right. That's good. Something. Something. Yeah. Because you, it leaves you with scars, right? Oh yeah. My body, super scarred. Yeah. Yeah. We should get a picture of your scars. You can. That's people. It's, it's not as weird as you think. Like people will do that. All like, can I see it? And I'm like, yeah. It's it's yeah. You can see it whenever I wear a tank top. Like it's not a big deal. Right. Yeah. But any shows coming up? What do I have? I'm gonna be on Red Eye in a couple of weeks. On oh, cool. Fox, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know what the subject's gonna be yet? No, I'm so scared. Are you are you into politics? Nope. Or that's why I'm so scared. <laughs> yeah. So but, like a few days before you just start watching the news and. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm kind, I'm informed enough. Like, I do watch the news and what have you. And I also, I mean, I've seen other people on there, and they can play it off. You, yeah, you know what I mean. You can still whatever. You don't have to be a raging psychopath. You could probably get through it not even knowing what the hell's going. I on. I think Just, you could if yeah, you do it right. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thanks for your having life. me. Yeah, this was yeah. fun. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale, starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.